time for your love coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. We are back, and Grace Bryan is with me, and we are going to talk about what it means to love yourself. Now, last week, we talked about quite a few different things about loving yourself. And, you know, we had so many things we wanted to share that we just had to come back. So, Grace, it's great to have you with me again. Thanks, Nikki. I'm happy to continue talking about one of my favorite, favorite topics, loving yourself. You know, you know, we had a list of questions, and we ran out of time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, you it's know, hard I, to condense all of this because there's so many aspects. Like we said in the intro to the to the last show, it's it's so simple, but it's so complex. Well, I mean, just just love is so complicated. You know, it just seemed like a good idea to just keep going. So, <laughs> so. yeah, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. So I'll tell you what, just just to kind of for for people that. Uh, might have missed the first show, <laughs> so, and for the people that did, um, I'm going to go ahead and have a link so you can listen to the first show, so in case you miss one, you can listen to both of them at the same place. But just to kind of give them a little bit of an introduction, do you want to just kind of give a little bit of a summary on what it means to love yourself? Let's start there, and then we'll dive into all the deep stuff. Oh, sure. Just a little summary. Just a few sentences on what it means to love yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that loving yourself means being in tune to the essence of your being. It means seeing beyond all the conditions and programming and the things that we've been taught that we're not supposed to be or we are supposed to be or that we compare ourselves to others. Um, Seeing beyond the, the BS of all of that and recognizing that we are perfectly whole and perfectly complete exactly as we are. Awesome. Well, I love, I love all the stuff about the conditions, you know, that we talked about last week because there, there are just so many conditions that I think we put on ourselves and society puts on us and family puts on us. And it just it's amazing how much that limits us. You know, it limits us personally and it limits us in relationships. And, and it limits us as a human race, as a human species. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and I, I actually just recorded a video about this recently, the, the layers of conditionality around our unconditional love. And I, I see that there are three layers. So we have our personal conditions, so the things that we've actually experienced that have caused stories. So um, I have a story of that when I date women, they break my heart. And this has happened several times. And so now when I go into a relationship with a woman, I think there's an unconscious story that has me afraid of rejection. So that's something I've personally experienced. And then we have um, our social conditioning. So the things that we've both consciously and unconsciously been programmed by um, our society and our education and the media and the things that we directly come into contact with. And then we have our global conditions. And maybe some of that is our... um, our country, so American or North American or Western culture or even English conditions, and then uh, as a global society as a whole. So these are things that we don't necessarily talk about as much, but like the heteronormativity and monogamy and 
this um, something we mentioned last time, the, the sad, very, makes me very sad notion that we're only supposed to love one person, just one person for our whole life. And yeah, okay, we can love our kids too. Maybe we can love our mom and our immediate family members, but so we're not supposed to extend that love, either giving or receiving, to other people in our life. Right. It's, um, yeah, it's it just amazing how it just limits all facets of our lives. It really is. All right. Now, we finished up last week's show talking about the difference between comfort and love and how being uncomfortable actually is a sign of loving ourselves. Now, people that didn't listen to the show are going to think I'm nuts. But, you know, it's not the first time in this show. They're going to think that about me. So (laughs) I'm just saying, in case you you didn't know that, Grace. Okay. (laughs) And people listen all the time are very aware of that. Okay. So how do we show compassion for ourselves when we're first learning how to make choices from a place of love? Oh, we've got to embrace the mess. We've got to embrace the mess because as we talked about a lot last time, this discomfort of not pleasing other people, this discomfort of not doing things quote-unquote right, and maybe letting go of what right is, means we're going to be messy, messy, messy. And this is something that um, that's taken me a lot of years to really embrace the mess, it's recovering from my perfectionism and and being in the present moment instead of this is what it should look like as opposed to, ah, this is what it is. This is what's actually happening right now. This is where the love is. Showing compassion to myself means being okay making mistakes and being messy and just being authentic in the ownership of that. <laughs> love the mess, huh? I like that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, because when we're perfect, first of all, there's no such thing as perfect, but then we have some ideal of what things are supposed to look like. For example, I used to have this ideal of what vacations were supposed to look like, and I would plan them out to a T, and here's the things that are going to happen at this time, and if the other person doesn't feel this way, then I failed. And I would live in that failure, and it was a miserable place to be, because then everything that came through my filter of what is was, well, I've, I've messed this up. It's wrong as opposed to just, now this is happening, how wonderful it was. No, no, but, but it's not that other thing. That was what was supposed to happen. So embracing the mess means I just get to be in the flow of the moment, which, again, is where the love is, instead of comparing it to something else. So how does that work when you're in a relationship with somebody and they want it one way and you want it one way and you need to compromise? Well, I think the first thing is communication. The first yeah. of communication word. is having a common language. I think we're, we're told that we should communicate, but we don't realize that we are unconsciously saying and carrying with us a lot of conditions that aren't the same. So, um, for example, I had a partner once that was uh, Canadian, and he was a very, very free spirit. And... We spoke a similar language as far as the words we were saying, but okay. it, it turned out at a certain point that what we were actually trying to communicate was different because when I said the word love, it meant one thing. And when I said the word partner, and this is a big one, we talked about this actually in our, our last uh, show on polyamory, when right. I say the word partner, it means one thing to me and it means another thing to you. So we can't really compromise until we understand what we're saying. 
true. Okay. Well, you know, I've I've actually, and I've done this with coaching clients, I've said, you know, say say what you're talking about and then explain it to the other person and have them explain it back to you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't explain it back to you and it doesn't make sense to you, you, you keep doing this until you you're, until you're telling each other the same thing, because because otherwise you're, you're not on the same page with one another. You know, make sure yeah. you're talking about the same thing. What we say and what we hear are often quite different. And people don't understand that the majority of communication is listening, not talking, listening. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're not listening, you're not communicating with each other. So. And listening is a sign of compassion. And it's a sign of love. It's a, it's a sign that we are not just so wrapped up in ourselves that we're willing to be with the other person. And a quote that I read last time that I'll read again for those who missed it by an Indian sage that I cannot but see you as myself. It is the very nature of love to see no difference. So having that compassion and choosing to compromise means kind of getting out of our own way. Right. recognizing that there isn't just one way to do things. And maybe it isn't particularly loving to be totally attached or totally married to this one way that's right. Right. When you, how often do you, are, you, are you speaking to somebody and you'll realize that while you're speaking to them, it, it seems like they're spending that entire time thinking about what they're going to say <laughs> and reply to you. They're not really listening to you. They're spending the whole time thinking about what they're going to say to, back to you. It's like, no, 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 just, just stop thinking and listen and then just pause and then think of what you want to say and reply to me. You know, it's amazing the difference that makes. Absolutely, because we're not in the moment if we're in our own head thinking about what we're going to say. That's it. <laughs> you, you can't think about what you're going to say and listen to me at the same time. Just, you just, it's, it's really hard to do those two things at the same time. There, I have some people who would say, I was multitasking. Uh, no, our brain actually can't do that. It does not have that capacity. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, talking about showing compassion and making choices and, and, you know, compromising and all this kind of thing. Let me see. How can you love your family if you are having issues loving yourself? Say, say you have... Say you're just starting the process of learning to love yourself, okay? You, you still, you're still disliking yourself at this point, and you're, you're trying to love your family, but this dislike you have for yourself, you're projecting upon your family. How, how can you work through this whole situation while you're working on loving yourself? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. And, and it's, it's a hard situation. While you're working on yourself, it's, it's hard to work through this situation with your family at the same time. So, and, and anybody in the audience listening is going to be dealing with this. So how can we help them? So I lead retreats. And one of the beautiful things about retreats is that you can go make a mess without it affecting your family immediately. Sure. So if it's possible, and I know it's not possible for everybody, to go away, whether it's by yourself or led by someone who do these, does these kinds of things or, or go be in a hotel or an Airbnb and do your online course there, taking space can be really beneficial because we are going to, as I said a minute ago, we are going to make a mess. We are going to um, not do it perfectly. 
And this process of deconditioning is a lot of catching ourselves in the moment in the act. Right. And that right there points to something really beautiful, which is allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. A lot of times we think that vulnerability means we're weak. But in fact, vulnerability is one of our most strong and brave and courageous traits as a human being. My teacher says um, that vulnerability really points to the essence of our humanness. And showing up imperfect. This is tough for parents because one of the conditions of our society at large is that parents are supposed to know everything and parents are supposed to be perfect. But I I think the best examples of parents that I know are ones who show up and say, I did that wrong and I can see that what I did created pain for you and I'm really sorry. Can we talk about how we can do this better next time? So I think that really shows compassion. It shows being able to see someone else's pain and meet it with your love, which is one of the definitions of compassion that's my favorite. Um, by Stephen Levine, who's an American author, philosopher. And he says, when your fear touches someone's pain, that's pity. So when you see somebody else and you go, oh, God, that could be me, or I don't want to touch that person. But when your love touches someone else's pain, that's compassion. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, and it's it's so difficult to show vulnerability but it's it's amazing when you're around people that you feel like you can show your vulnerability around them you know and that's how we learn is we find people in communities that we feel like we can do it with and then we expand our our strength in that we expand our ability to do that into places where we don't feel like we can because we right. become empowered and self-assured. You were talking about this last, in our last interview. You become empowered and self-assured enough to know that you being vulnerable doesn't mean that you can get hurt. It actually is a strength. It actually is you showing up with the ability to love other people, of being open instead of being closed. Right. And I love Brene Brown's work for this. She talks so much about shame and vulnerability and that vulnerability is really one of the fears to shame, even though it is completely counterintuitive. I know. <laughs> but but choosing to open instead of close right. is really how we start to undo that particular pattern. Right. So it's being able to own and apologize and repair when we recognize we've made a mistake. It's being able to catch ourselves in the act. Like, oh man, I just started yelling. Why did I start yelling? I'm really sorry. As opposed to justifying or defending or having a stance, well, I'm yelling right now because you're doing something wrong. Right. Stepping back and saying, gosh, maybe, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I could make a better choice right now. Yeah, Brene Brown, just, she's got incredible stuff. I, just, I, I love her stuff. I think, I think, actually, you're the one that told me about her stuff. It was either you or Veronica. I'm not sure which one, but, yeah, I love her work. But I think I've watched most of the videos of hers on YouTube, actually. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, thinking about this, the, um, the listening that you were talking about, um, yeah. The Empathy versus Sympathy video is so great for that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All I'm right, not no. sure if I answered your question. I talked around it quite a bit, but uh, do you have any insight on that? This is one of those things that it's, when, when, you're, when you're dealing with so many things, 
in yourself. You know, there's there's so many conflicting things that you're dealing with, and I think we, you know, when when we're dealing with our own issues, you know, we we tend to take it out on the people closest to us. You know, we know we're struggling. We know that we've got things we're trying to work on, and it's it's so. I know I've done this. You know, we it, we we just take it out on, and we vent, especially when we're frustrated with ourselves. We just tend to take it out on people, the people closest to us. We shouldn't, but we do. You know, and we've got to find a way to. I think bring them into the process. You know, how how can we bring them into the process to help us without it feeling like we're lashing out to them? Is is that a good way to to yeah ask? yeah I, I think and um and it's the honesty and vulnerability. It's being able yes. to share. This is a, this is the thing I'm working on right now. I've seen in myself that I don't love myself. And so I am committed to doing these actions and, and seeing this coach or starting to take a bath once a week or being aware of my self-care or whatever it is right. so that I can start loving myself. And um, something I do in my um, love workshops is to talk about the importance of accountability. But that right. sometimes we say, oh, can you hold me accountable for this? Well, right. nobody can hold you accountable except yourself. And so to ask someone else to help you hold you accountable for yourself. And at the times that I've done that with my family and said to my family members, I'm really working on judgment. And I've noticed that I judge you guys. That's the thing that I do. And I'm sorry. And I wish I wouldn't. So if you notice that I'm judging you, could you let me know? Oh, it's a scary thing. It's a very scary thing. And, and I've learned the most when I've invited them into that process instead of walling them off from it. And if you if we ask them, be ready for it when they when they come back and say, okay, you, you did blah 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 blah, you know, because right, don't get mad, mad. <laughs> they're gonna do it. <laughs> so, and if you so. invite kids into this process, oh, kids are so wonderfully honest. Now, I highly <laughs> recommend that, but just be prepared for it. Right, right. But well, it's it's a great learning process for kids, you know, to to help them. And and you know, to help them to avoid some of the same mistakes that you know the adults have made, but but yeah, be ready. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and since we talked so much about conditions last time, where do these conditions come from? Aren't these the kind of conditions that we want to be instilling in our children? And I, I work with kids as well in our young generations. The conditions of letting go of our conditions, the conditions of talking about this, the conditions of being vulnerable. That's that's what I want to instill on this next generation of humans. We're going to determine our earth and, and our world. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bring, <laughs> bringing kids into it. Oh, wow. <laughs> in the Love Yourself program, I suggest that very specifically, you know, bring somebody in as, as support and to be accountable to and, you know, to to go, not necessarily to go through the program with you, but for you to check in with. And and just to kind of follow up and, and to say, you know, this this is what I'm doing to make somebody aware that you're working through it and that you can, like I said, just check in because it's it's good to have somebody to to help make you accountable. So yeah, I like that. 
Now, this this next question I'm going to ask you, this is something we sort of started to talk about last week, but I wanted to hold off because I wanted to spend more time on it. So are you ready for this? Maybe. (laughs) I think you are. (laughs) Now, sometimes in our more intimate relationships and partnerships, we make decisions because we want to feel love from other people, okay? So now when we do this, the question is, is it self-love or is it something else? So are we, are we doing it to get something from the person or are we doing it because we love ourselves or what, what is, what's, what's behind it? Point to something else. <laughs> yes. Now, now, which which direction would you take with this question? Well, I'm going to read a quote first. Okay. And this comes from um, a really beautiful book called Prayers of Honoring Voice by Pixie Lighthorse. It's called um, what again? It's called Prayers of Honoring Voice by Pixie Lighthorse. Okay. Cool. Um, and there's a. a prayer a poem called honoring love it says help me during those moments when i cannot speak of my love to realize that love moves in only one direction out of me and that's all that matters okay to realize that love moves in only one direction out of me and that's all that matters i had to, to meditate on this for a couple of years to really understand it in essence the only love that we can actively do something about is the love that we give. Okay. And if we want to receive more love, if that's a desire or a longing that we have, aside from shifting the conditions and the stories and the shame and all of that where we don't believe that we're worthy of it or we don't believe that we deserve it, the biggest thing that we can do is to give love and not ask for it in return. Okay. The the second part of that quote says that, know that love comes to me in its own form, and that I am not responsible for what it looks like. So love may come back at us in a very different form than what we want, and what the mind has decided through all of this conditioning that it thinks it's supposed to look like, our heteronormative one-person-forever kind of love. So that's, that's the something else, I think. When we, and I don't remember exactly how you worded the question, but when we do things to please other people, it can come from a selfless, beautiful place. And if it does, then we feel light. We feel alive and we feel joyful. But often we feel zapped and tired and under-resourced and non-resilient and non-reactive. And we can notice that the mind will say things like, oh, they didn't even thank me. They don't appreciate me. But we actually are doing that to receive something in response. So that's not a selfless love. It's not an unconditional love. It's a validation of our own worthiness. And I think a lot of people in intimate relationships have been programmed or conditioned to give love in this way where we expect something in return. Do you think even if you don't expect something in return, but you don't 
get anything in return over a long period of time that may happen anyway? What may happen? You, you may start to feel that way anyway. Yeah, sure. It can lead to feelings of, of resentment or unappreciation. And this is where the question you asked a while ago, compromise and communication. If that's right. something I'm feeling, okay, I could, um, I could stay in my programmed mentality of not talking about it and just stuffing it down inside. Or right. I could be really brave and say, this is something I'm feeling. So with my uh, partner and I, a challenge is that sometimes when he's away, um, he forgets to communicate, whether it's to organize a phone call or a text. Um, and, and this was much more prevalent at the beginning of our relationship because I have let him know that, that this is something I would appreciate. That right. I would love to remember that you love me even if you're gone for a month or two months or three months. I can't demand it. I can't expect it. But I can request it. Right. Okay. So is my resentment coming from the fact that I haven't said anything about it? or because I've asked for it and they haven't been able to do it? Because in the end, we can make requests, but we can't change anyone else, their behavior, their motivation, anything like that. But we can communicate, wow, it, it feels like you know, you're not here. It feels like you're not supporting me. It feels like you're not listening. Here's what happens. Here's what I feel. Right. Let's talk about it. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I think, I think there may be people that, that may just feel like they can't speak up, you know, and, and they may give and give and give and give and not speak up and then just start to feel drained. Because, I mean, you know, if, if you give and give and give and give, you, you do need something in return, you know, so you, you do get that, that drained feeling if you don't get anything back. So, okay, that's cool. I'm just, just curious if you felt the same way. Yeah, and there's an energetic exchange in everything that we do. There's, like I said, when you feel resourced, when you feel charged, when you feel that lightness and aliveness. You know, when you're giving to a baby or a small child, you don't expect anything back because they're giving you unconditional love. Right. That's just happening. That's an exchange that's happening. But if you find yourself in a situation with someone who's a taker or a leech or right. whether consciously or unconsciously, they just take and take and take and take and take, it's really easy for that to become um, a codependent relationship, a manipulative relationship, even an abusive relationship. Right. Where one person is just giving all the time and the other person is taking and there is no energetic exchange. Very true. Okay. All right. Speaking of giving and receiving love, <clears throat> what's the difference between giving and receiving love? Well, I'll point to that quote um, that I just read is that the only love that we can really control or do something about is the love that we give. And the love that we give is where we get compassion, which I think can also be defined as the active power of love, whether we're giving compassion to ourselves or to someone else. Giving love can completely shift everything. It can get us out of our head. It can get us out of our patterns. It can shift things so quickly when we're really giving love from a place of love and not expecting something in return. So I, I want to make cookies for my friend. She's having a hard week. If I go into that interaction with, well, she better say thank you or she better do something back, then I'm not really giving love. I'm wanting to receive love from her. But if I go in and just, and just give, and whether or not she's happy, whether or not she thanks me, whether or not it changes her week, it doesn't make any difference. Just this act of giving fills me with so much joy. 
then we know there's a, there's a pure intent of giving love there, of being open. Receiving love is often about shifting our antenna. So instead of looking for um, validation that we're whatever, whatever confirmation of that story, not enough, or um, that we should be guilty, or that we should live life differently than we're living, um, those block us from receiving love. So when we, I think when we give more love, when we're open to love, then we're open to receiving love as well, an actual love, a pure love, not just that validation of, oh, am I good enough? This person likes me. Right. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. The validation. To explain the difference between seeking validation and just seeking a open and open giving love from someone. That's such a good question. And the difference is in the expectation. The difference is in the expectation of the outcome. Okay. When something is selfless, we don't expect anything as an outcome. But when, when we do something to seek validation, then we need it to look a certain way at the end of the day, at the end of the story. So when I give my friend cookies, um, somewhere inside of me, her saying, oh, thank you, you're such a good friend, makes me feel like, oh, okay, okay, I'm a good friend. And sometimes it's, we can start to, like we were saying earlier, we can start to hear those stories. We can start uh-huh. to hear, I want to make cookies for my friend, and then hear the motivation behind that. But sometimes it is buried very, very deeply, and it's really hard to recognize that there is some sort of manipul- manipulative intent underneath. And I've recognized, oh my gosh, so many of these manipulative patterns in myself that are a condition of the society that I was brought up in, especially as a woman. So as a woman, we're supposed to be in control, but we're not supposed to let our partner, the man, know that we're in control. So it's a really quiet game of manipulation that I was taught to play. And it took me 36 years to see that pattern when it comes up and to recognize, am I doing something because I need that person to love me? Or can I just show up and be, and be real in this situation? Right. It's more loving of ourselves to just be open to love than to expect some kind of a validation from somebody. Yes. Correct? Yes. And unfortunately, the, the conditional Disney, Hollywood, HBO, intimate love that is broadcast very loudly in our society often has this piece of the expectation. People complain right. all the time because their partner didn't X, Y, and Z. Right. So that means that they didn't love them. You know, it, that, it, it drives me crazy when you see all the hoopla. And it's, you know, it's, why people put this mess on social media is beyond me. I don't understand. I just, I don't understand why people have to put all this crap on social media. You just leave it. Leave it off social media. 
Yeah, and it's because we're looking for somebody to commiserate in our complaining because that's what the ego wants. It wants that validation. It wants that validation of I'm right. See, other people agree with me. My story is valid. I just, I don't understand. <laughs> but okay. Okay, if you say so. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what you said, Nikki, about being open. Just being open. And that's yeah. how we know we're coming from a place of love. Are we open? I don't know. I I just I, I hear people say things like, you know, I I need a relationship and, and when I find a partner, they're gonna make everything okay. And it's just like no. No, because your stories are still there. Yeah, it it that's just no. And and you know, or or you know, so and so is my whole world and I'm like, you need to be you need to be complete within yourself. You know, and, and my, my big thing is don't look for somebody to complete you. Be complete within yourself and find somebody to compliment you. Mm-hmm. You know, be, be whole within you, okay? And then when you find someone to compliment you, then that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Other, otherwise, you feel something's missing in your life and within you. You need to find that first. Then you're in a position for a healthy, loving relationship. And I think we're always going to look for that thing that's missing in the other person, and it's just going to keep reminding us that we don't have that thing in ourselves. Right. My, my business is called Be Whole, Be Happy. When we feel that wholeness, the happiness is our essence. It's not something we have to look for or dig for or buy or go out and get. When we start to feel whole, happiness is the way that we live. Let me read another little quote in answer to the question that you just asked about giving and receiving. Um, So this is by Khalil Gibran, and it says, Love only gives itself. (laughs) Okay. That's what I do. Love only gives itself and draws only from itself. Love possesses not and wants not to be possessed. For love is itself enough. Ooh, I like. I think that really points to love only gives itself and draws only from itself. There's not a part of us that is giving love from a dry well. In fact, our well of love is infinite. It is, as I talked about in the last uh, episode, it is the basis of our being. So when we recognize that we are drawing from a well that is infinite, right. love only gives of itself. But when we think of ourselves um, limited, conditional, you know, I only have this much love to give, a scarcity, a feeling of lack, right. then it's not love then it's expectation and looking for validation of who we are. And this one is so important. Love possesses not and wants not to be possessed. And this is what we can look for in intimate relationships all the time. But they're mine. We love to use this word mine, this possessive word around our relationships. (laughs) Nope. We cannot own anyone else. Just like we don't want to be owned by anyone else. In my article on unconditional love, I talk a lot about this. How do you know if it's not unconditional love? Well, if you feel like you own the other person, it's not unconditional love. Right. Fascinating. Okay. See, you just never know where you and I are going to go with these things. I know. (laughs) You said earlier that you want to talk about intimacy. Can we have an intimacy show at some point? Oh, yeah, definitely. You just let me know when you want to do it. So we've kind kind of tiptoed around authenticity. So tell me what it means to be authentic. 
Well, we just talked about this feeling of wholeness, and okay. uh, I talked a little bit about your authentic yes and your authentic no. So there's there's a a quiet place, this intuition, this trust in ourselves that says, yes, this feels like it's in alignment with the truth of my being, or no, this doesn't. Sometimes that's really loud, and sometimes that's really subtle. But starting to listen to that voice is a great way to get in alignment with our inner compass, which says if we are being authentic or if we aren't being authentic. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, authentic, I mean, talk about vulnerable. When you're being authentic, Mm -hmm. you're putting it out there. It's just... And, and people are like, that's like when they say, of course I love myself, of course I know myself, and I'm, I'm just, I'm being authentic. But then you'll see them post, like, conflicting things on Facebook. Like, they'll say they do like something, then they don't like something, then they do like it, then they don't like it. I'm like, that's not authentic. <laughs> you know? mm. It's like it's like it's like people that drive down the road and they switch between this lane and that lane. I'm like, okay, pick a lane, pick, <laughs> pick a point here, people. Pick, pick a, make a decision. You know. So. Well, you were just complaining about social media, and I think this is the danger of social media: is that on the one hand, it gives us a, a place where we maybe don't have to conform as much because we're not face to face with people. But there's a real danger in that too in that we are so subject to the fear of being judged by other people, right. quietly or loudly, um, that, we, that we don't really represent the whole story. Right. But if you're being authentic, shouldn't you, like, have, like, an opinion and stick with it? Well, my opinions have certainly changed over the duration of my life, my political opinions, my opinions about my relationships and my views on certain things. But within two or three days? I don't know. That's a really... It would be an interesting question to pose to this person (laughs) who you're talking about. (laughs) Because it sounds like that could be coming from a place of fear, fear of who's looking. Ah, Yes. Yes, okay, but okay, how many times in one week do your opinions change? How about that? Uh, no comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. There's certainly an authenticity in in um, standing up for your convictions. There but, you go. There but there's also Sometimes convictions are what lead us to separation, are what lead us to judgment, are what lead us to story, are what lead us away from love. (laughs) So when we have convictions around, you know, I believe this thing and everyone else who believes it is wrong, okay, that's not coming from a place of love. True. Okay. Okay. Well, it seems to me that that when you're being authentic, you you know your mind, though. You, You don't let everybody sway you. You know, like you know, you, you don't change your mind every time somebody else changes their mind. But this is a whole other conversation we could go down. Because <laughs> then we have to talk about mind and thoughts. And I'm a meditation teacher, so oh, that's know, right. We really want to go there today. But if we if we point it back to um, self love, what is authenticity as it relates to self love? Yeah. We're being authentic when we're really loving ourselves, when we're showing ourselves compassion, when we're accepting ourselves, and we're able to be in the moment with what is instead of the lens of should 
it should look like this. Oh, so we're being inauthentic, I think, when we compare what is with what we think it should be or what we think other people think it should be. And this is where we, we, we lie to please other people. We do things that aren't in line with our inner values or, um, or our authenticity. True. To make other people happy or supposedly make other people happy. This is often one of the first things that people notice when they get on this path of self-love or this path of self-discovery of looking within is, whoa, I have done things to please other people my whole life. Why have I done that? I'm so unhappy. That's it. Very true. You know, I got an interesting thing in my email this week. And it was, it's called a self-love dream catcher. And I think the fact that it landed in my email last week when we did the show, I just, that was just too cool. And, and I, I think dream catchers are, I just, I love dream catchers. They're just so, so fascinating and just beautiful, beautiful the way they're done. But this was cool because it had all the elements of self-love, whether it's, it's the different um, parts of, our being that's impacted in, in all this different stuff. And it had it said that self-love includes self-acceptance, self-compassion, and self-esteem. So what do, you, what do you think about those three parts of that? Do you agree with those, that we need all of those for our self-love? Oh, absolutely. I think they cover our, our worthiness, the validation that we're talking about. I think self-acceptance is incredibly important. We have to accept all the parts of ourselves, even and especially the ones that we don't like. We have to accept that they're true right now so that we have the power to choose them if we want. And then we've already talked about self-compassion, but that's, that's incredibly important, the ability to not judge ourselves, but to hold ourselves in love. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And our self-esteem all works into it, too, because... It just, you know, we've, we've got to have, we just, we've got to have all three of those. Self-esteem is really a feeling of worthiness, which is so many people's obstacle to self-love. I'm not worth it. I don't deserve it. Right. Well, and it brings up, too, that it includes our, our mental state, our spiritual state, our physical, and our emotional. So it, it's all of the, the parts of us. So it, it's all of that. And then I like how it also includes on here, that it includes our thoughts, our vision, our intuition, our feelings, our reaction, our roots, our actions, and our decisions. So it's every part of our being and every, I mean, just all of us, every part of us is included in our self-love. I really, I really like this. This is very cool. But I, I just, I like how she did this. Yeah, I love what you just said, that it's every part of us. So we can't really say, I love myself, until we dig, 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 dig deep into the essence of who we are and what we are and our actions in the world and our thoughts and our words. All of these things eventually come into alignment in love and in compassion. And if we leave any of that out, we're not fully loving ourselves. I think when you, um, in our, when you say, you know, I get frustrated when people say, that they love themselves. Do you really? I think, I feel like you're pointing to that, like every aspect of your life. Really? Right. Well, that's, that's my thing when people just say, of course I love myself. I'm like, you know, it, well, it, it just seems like a reaction without giving it thought. I think that's what drives me crazy. 
because I just I'm like when when I look at this this sketch as simple as this sketch may look on the surface, and and then you say okay, you, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional. Just when you look at that, that's so all encompassing. And then you say okay, then thoughts, vision, intuition, feelings. Reaction, action, roots, decisions. Wow, <laughs> you know? that's that's everything. That's everything about us. That's a whole lot of self-love, and that includes everything we do. And that just that's that's a wow. I don't know. I, I think. I think I take it so much more personal because I know what it took to evaluate all those parts of my life and what it took to get here. I think that's why I take it so personal when people say that. Maybe that's what it is. It sounds like it's coming from your desire for real, people to really understand what this means. When I, yeah. when we, you and I were messaging about doing this topic, you were like self-love, and we were like, yes, 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 because we both are so passionate about what this has done to bring happiness and joy and love into our life, our ability to receive love coming from this shift into being able to love ourselves. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do in the world because I really want people to have a happy life. It's, it's incredibly important to me. And I also just want to point to the simplicity of it. It, it feels really complex and we want to touch every aspect of our being and it also becomes the new pattern. Right. So the old pattern might have been to not love ourselves or to project like we talked about or to separate or to judge or to compare. That was my big one. Compare right. myself to other people, compare myself to even what I think I should be. But once we start to shift into this paradigm, love is the essence of who we are. So we're just uncovering that essence we're not learning to bring more knowledge into ourselves. We're learning to let go of everything that's in the way. What we're basically doing is clearing out all of the crap and getting rid yeah. of all of that mess. Yes. You know? I think that's what I said at the beginning of our last one. We're just clearing out all the crap. <laughs> <laughs> we just circle back around to let <laughs> I guess I just don't want I don't want people to hear it's everything it's so complex and think well it's not worth it it's it's just going to be too much work no it becomes joyful when I see my stories come up now I laugh I laugh and I laugh and that brings me back into the expansion so it can become just this quick catching of myself but in the beginning it was hard it was hard to see these stories and go oh I'm really like that wow yeah. But it does become much more simple over time. Yeah. Well, it, it the thing is, you you create the new patterns, and it becomes it becomes so easy. It does become a new pattern, and it just it just becomes how you live, and it just it's just it becomes normal. It becomes your new normal. It just yeah. does. Yes, but well, and, and self-love thing, becomes your baseline. It, it, well, what I say is it's, it's, it's worth the work to get here. It just is. 
You know, that's what that's what I want people to understand. It does take work to get to this point, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. The bottom line is worth it to get there. Can I give you an amen? I'd like to give you an amen. <laughs> you can if you'd like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your enthusiasm. It's it's so it's so cute. I, I gotta tell the listeners, every time I send her a message to follow up to make sure that, like, because I always follow up with my guests to make sure we're still on, and she always, always said a yes with an exclamation point. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you do. I love that this is the conversations people are having. One of my, I think one of the things that I'm trying to, to do in the world is to create a paradigm where this is what people are hearing, where the information we're being bombarded with is the information of love and connection and authenticity instead of the information of fear and separation. You know, when we watch the news for five hours every day, we get all those little stupid notifications that are now coming automatically on my new Android update right. that say, you know, all these awful things that are happening in the world, that's what we believe. And, and it's not to say we shouldn't be informed. We absolutely should be informed. Right. And we, we believe what we're surrounded with. So when we're surrounded with this is possible, then we start to believe that. And that's so important. And, well, I'll tell you what. One of the things with my love, accept, and respect yourself, and I think, I think loving ourselves, accepting that there's things we need to change, and then respecting that we're working to make the changes, you've got to have all three of those. So self-acceptance is, is one of the important things that we, got, we were talking about. So how, how do we see our flaws and imperfections and accept all of it? Okay? How do we do that without being disappointed in the things that we see we need to change? Because that's important. We don't want to say, oh, God, there's so much I need to change and get disappointed and discouraged at the very beginning. How, how do we do that? My personal motto is take nothing seriously. Okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. Let's <laughs> actually hold everything sacred and take nothing seriously. But um, oh, we laugh. That's a big. That's an important part. Is that we laugh, okay. and we we see that everything is possible to change if we want it badly enough, and one piece at a time. True. If we try to overhaul everything about ourselves, it's nothing's going to stick. We're going to get frustrated and we're going to run away. But if we look at one thing at a time, okay, I'm just going to look at my intimate relationship. What are the patterns in my intimate relationship that point to love? And what are the patterns that point to separation? So I like to look at it as creating conditions. How can I create the conditions for this becoming the way that I see myself and the way that I see the world? And we have to just look at that one at a time. We can't tackle everything all at once. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's just like just like my program. I, did, I broke it down into twelve parts, and you tackle one at a time and just work through it at your own pace. And I, you know, and I even say in there, you know, if you need to do it more than once, go. You know, don't move on till you're ready. Take it at your own pace and do do it however fast or slow you need to. Yeah, really let it sink in. Don't expect yeah. it. This is another big piece. Is don't expect it to be done in one day. Our brain, I love, I love the, the neuroscience behind this, our brain has to recreate a new neurotransmitter, so a, a, a connector between one neuron and another 
more times than the path of least resistance. So if my path of least resistance is I feel I'm not worthy, I feel I'm not worthy, I feel I'm not worthy, and I've repeated that pattern for 35 years, maybe 100 times a day, I have to create that new paradigm more times than I've created the old one. Because the old one is the rut. That's the comfort. That's the path of least resistance in my brain. Don't expect this to happen overnight. But don't be daunted by that either because we've done that unconsciously for so long, but with consciousness, with an awareness to what we're doing, it can happen 100 times as fast. Right. But we do have to be perseverant and non-expectant of it looking a certain way or happening overnight. Exactly. And the most important thing, you can change it. Yes. Anything. Anything. We are limitless. We can change anything. That's it. I think there's an important question here that maybe you find this in your, in your coaching. I certainly do. Okay. That sometimes we have to change the external, and, and often we don't. Often we just really have to go inside. But sometimes we find we're in a situation where we kind of just walk away for a little while. Like what's around me is so toxic that it is like pulling teeth to just try to change one little thing. So maybe I change my outside world for a little bit and then go back into that tough situation with a new resilience and a new belief in myself. But if that external situation that I'm in is so exhausting that I just can't ever get a leg up, then maybe we shift that a little bit for now to give ourselves just the peace to try to change things. I think that's where some people just get so overwhelmed and don't believe that they can because their external situation is is really, really hard. True. True. Well, different people need to approach it from different directions and different angles and different perspectives. So we've got to figure out what's the best for each person. Right. Like when you said, how should we start loving ourselves? <laughs> well, it depends on where we're coming from, certainly. Definitely. Like I said, the same, the same approach doesn't work for every person. And, and there are some steps that will help most people. Becoming aware of our stories looking at our thought patterns, creating new conditions, having a daily practice of an affirmation or a meditation or um, a conversation with someone who's helping to hold ourselves accountable. You know, these things all help. Right. Certainly does. We don't have to create our path or create our own wheel. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. But we do have to recognize that the wheel is going to apply to everyone a little bit differently. It does. Very good. I'll tell you what, I think we've given them all kinds of things to think about. What do you think? (laughs) I think so. Did we exhaust our long list of questions? (laughs) I think we actually got through all the questions. It only took two hours. (laughs) Well, I really hope that, that, that this inspires people to think about it and to comment and to have these conversations and to reach out to both you and I and and make this a new world. Definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, how can the listeners find more information about you? Thank you for asking. My website is beholebehappy.com. So it's B-E-W-H-O-L-E, B-E-H-A-P-P-Y.com. And um, I am a personal coach, a spiritual coach, a love and intimacy, and a relationship coach. Um, I also give retreats, and a lot of the retreats are about living from an open heart, 
shifting into a new paradigm, how to love ourselves, how to relanguage the body. And, the, and I, I just love to talk to people about this. So I also do free 30-minute intro calls just about how you can create your own path in all of this beautiful new world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I tell you, so, so next time we're talking about intimacy, huh? That's, yes. That's, that was my <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> At least one exclamation point, always. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. It is always a pleasure to dive in with you. Okay, well, last time, let me see. The first time we talked about polyamory, this time we talked about what it means to love yourself, and next time intimacy. All right, that's, I, I like, I like the, the path we're taking here. <laughs> so, yeah, good trajectory. Never know, never know. All right. I highly recommend that the listeners check out my Love Yourself program. And if you'd like to, you should check out on my website on www.readyforloveradio.com slash program. You'll find all the details. And it certainly walks you through step-by-step how to love yourself more. And actually, both of these programs are going to be included in that program along with over 500 pages of content and another 24 hours of audio is in there also. So lots of great information. So, yeah, I know, lots of information. (laughs) Tackling all kinds of topics that um, hold people back from being able to love themselves. So the goal is to help more people to get to a point where they can love themselves uh, more completely and to have healthier, happier relationships. Well, this has been great. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversations, both last week and this week. And intimacy. Yeah, all right. I, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki. <laughs> awesome. So, listeners, I'll see you next time on Ready for Love Radio. <laughs> <laughs>